Hello everyone and welcome to the Watermark Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Now let's dive in. Good morning, Watermark. Some of you are wondering, is he going to preach with that thing on? I'm not, but I'm glad to be with you today. I would love to just pray this morning. I know the Glanzers are on a trip. They're on a very well-deserved time away. But man, they are so, so, so amazing. And I just think it would be so cool for us as a church, as a family, as a community, to lift them up. So would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this morning, for your love for us, God. We're so thankful for the opportunity we have to come here, to gather, to lift up the name of Jesus. And we lift up our pastors this morning, Pastor Jarvis and Jane. God, we, we ask, Lord, that you would fill them up as they are away in Phoenix, as they're away catching some vitamin D, catching some rays, God, we pray that you would allow them in this time, after a crazy year, after a crazy time with lots of different medical things for Sully, we're thankful, God, that he's had so many successful surgeries, but we pray for a life-giving, amazing 10 days away for them. Thank you for the Glanzers. Thank you, God, for Watermark. Thank you for a church that doesn't just talk about being blessed to be a blessing, but they live it out. I pray your best over them, and I pray this morning, God, as we look at your word, would you do something dynamic in each heart? Would you do something, God, and show us something new this morning so that when we leave this place later today, God, that we're different and we see things differently the way that you do. We give it to you. We're so thankful for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, good morning again. My name is Brent Silkey. If we have not had the opportunity to meet And whenever I come to Watermark, I always feel like I'm coming home. I always feel like I'm coming to family. And the reason I feel that way is because of the way that you guys have wrapped your arms around our family and our kids. And so I just want to say thank you on behalf of our family. I think I have a picture of our uh, family picture from August. And my wife, Elizabeth, my son, Henry, he's he's so great. Yesterday, they they were at Target. And he, he uh, he was playing something. He had a shirt on that had Grogu on it, Baby Yoda. And his shirt said, cutest in the galaxy. And so this uh, lady at the, the checkout leans over and she's like, oh, are you the cutest in the galaxy? And he was like, no, I hank the tank. <laughs> so <laughs> he just loves, he, he, whenever you're like, oh, are you, are you really cute? No, I hank the tank. So that's Henry, hank the tank. And uh, our daughters, Belle and Clara Jean, I'm so thankful. I think the greatest, the greatest blessing is to be a husband and dad. It's just the greatest thing in the world. And in about three and a half weeks, we have uh, Silky Baby number four arriving, so we're excited about that. Little boy. And uh, one of the names we've been throwing around is the name Gotham. Because can you imagine this, ladies, in the middle of the night? Honey, Gotham needs you. Like, what husband wouldn't be like, yes, you're right. Just, you know, get out of bed and just take care of the baby. So um, my wife's watching online, honey. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do not Gotham. But um, that is our family. And we have the joy of serving in a ministry of Chi Alpha. In a little bit, I'll show you a picture of Chi Alpha. Um, but Chi Alpha is a ministry that exists so that students can find Jesus in the most pivotal four, you know, three, four years. Sometimes PSEO, it makes it like a little shorter than four years. But in one of the most pivotal seasons of life, that they have the opportunity to encounter the living God. So they have the opportunity to meet Jesus and find him and then follow him for a lifetime. And it's one of the most unbelievable things to be able to serve on the college campuses in the city of St. Paul. And the reason we're able to do that and serve college students, it's because of the generosity of Watermark. It's because of the generosity of families that are here that say, hey, we believe in that. We believe in reaching the next generation. So thank you for the support. Thank you for being on our team. 
And another thing that we serve, and I want to share just a story here. We serve a movement called 30 for Freedom. And I know a lot of the Watermark family has been involved years past in 30 for Freedom. It's a movement that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And we've got some pictures of some different 30 for Freedom things. Uh, this is last year during um, one of our, Wilmer hosted a virtual chapter and they had people come and run for freedom. But I wanted to share a story with you this morning that I heard. So the last time I was here was the eighth birthday celebration of Watermark Church. The next day I was at a Speed the Light rally and I heard a story about one of the partners that we support through the funds raised from 30 for Freedom. And I heard a story of this um, a group from Cold Spring who took a mission trip to Las Vegas. And when they were in Las Vegas, they were a part of an event called the Big Search. And the Big Search is where they will literally look for, they'll t they have a big board, and they have 30 pictures and profiles of, of missing youth. Sometimes it's people who have run away from home. Sometimes it's people that they just haven't seen and they're missing. So there's 30 of these kids' pictures and profiles on this big wall. And they pray over this wall, they pray over these kids, and they ask God to help them find through their channels with law enforcement and with different technologies that they have, that they could find the missing kids in this thing called the Big Search. So this team from Cold Spring is down there, and there was one of the girls, 15-year-old, so I'm guessing probably like a sophomore in high school, was missing. She was off social media completely for a long time, and while they were searching, a video on Instagram popped up, and it was her in this video. And she was in a hotel room, and the team, based on the decor of the room, based on the headboard, based on the bedspread, based on some of the things that were in that hotel room, they had narrowed down that out of the 760 hotels in Las Vegas, that she was in one of six hotels. And they sent team members to every one of those six hotels. And one of the team members walked up to a security guard on the casino floor, had the picture of the girl on her phone, and said, have you seen this girl? And the security guard bent down and looked at the phone, and he said, I kicked her off the casino floor 30 minutes ago because she's underage. So they knew that this girl, out of 760 hotels, was in this hotel for the next three hours, church. They spent searching and trying to look through all the video footage from this massive casino floor in this huge hotel, and they found the room that she was in, that she was being trafficked out of. And they went to the door, and they rescued this 15-year-old girl. And they brought her down to the rescue vehicle to do an intake interview. And I just want you to know, like, sometimes, like, right, we, we run for freedom, and we, we're a part of something like 30 for Freedom. We give sacrificially. Our students are raising money. We come alongside and partner with them, or maybe you raised funds yourself or gave yourself. But to hear, like, the impact of what happens, I was, I was moved to tears hearing this story. So they bring her down. They're on the Las Vegas Strip. They have their big emergency vehicle that was purchased from 30 for Freedom funds. And this 15-year-old girl looks around at 50 volunteers that are buzzing in and out of vehicles, searching for the other 29. And she's got tears welling up in her eyes. And she looks at one of the volunteers and she said, are all these people searching for me? And the, the volunteer just nodded, yeah, we're all here looking for you. And tears begin to fall down her cheeks. And she said words that were haunting to the team member. She said, I didn't think anybody was looking for me. And like, as a dad, that wrecks me. As a, as a follower of Jesus, that wrecks me. That somebody, a 15-year-old kid, would be missing for how long? And then when she's finally rescued, 
she has like this epiphany that like, people are looking for me. And I think about the, so just to give you more information, 15 of the youth that they were looking for, the 30, were rescued. They also, three adults were also rescued out of trafficking. And I think about, wow, like, you know, we, we, we're going to run this year on August 14th. It's going to be so hot, right? <laughs> we used to run it in May, and because of all the COVID things, we just said, hey, let's move it back to August. Let's do it after camps. Let's do it after, you know, National Fine Arts and General Counsel before people go off to school for college. And so on August 14th, we're going to have, we have six chapters happening this year in Minnesota. We've got a couple in Wisconsin. We've got one in Iowa. We've got one in a state that I can't even say right now because they have to announce it to their church first, but we've never been in this state before. The movement of people is growing. The impact is continuing to happen. And I think about the 15 kids and the three adults that were rescued. I think about that 15-year-old girl who had this epiphany moment that people were actually caring about her life, that people were actually doing something to rescue her. And I, on behalf of that 15-year-old girl and those others that were rescued, thank you, Watermark Church. Thank you for being a part of 30 for Freedom to rescue people out of trafficking. You guys are amazing. And I know that we're in a series called Move, right? I listened to Pastor Jarvis um, preached last week and just love this idea that even, I know we're talking about chess, right? We, we have these chess pieces and I was thinking about it, you know, like a, here's a little humble brag, Pastor Ben. I haven't lost in chess in over 15 years. I haven't really played chess in 15 years, but um, we're, this idea that there's always things happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. God is working and moving in ways that we don't know. The 15-year-old girl, days before, was being trafficked out of a hotel room. She did not know that God was moving. She did not know that there was a, a group of people who had spent thousands of dollars to get on a plane to come on a mission trip to rescue other children from trafficking. She didn't know it, but God was moving. God was working. And this morning, what I'd like to do as we jump into this series, um, it's Palm Sunday. I just loved walking uh, all the kids with the palm, all the palm ranches out there. And uh, just this idea that um, God is at work. He's moving even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. I talk to a lot of young people that say, well, I just don't feel God working. I just don't feel God moving. And I'm like, well, sometimes we don't feel or see or we're not even aware that he's working. But I just want to say he is working. Like, look at the scriptures. There are so many moments where God was working behind the scenes when people didn't know. And I think that's the heartbeat of this series. And I just want to be, since Watermark, your family, I want to just be real with you. In 2019, in the fall, we had our absolute best, strongest, healthiest semester of Chi Alpha we've ever had. And I, remember, I got a couple of pictures here. It's just a big collage of pictures. And we had, I mean, we had services that were just, we had a worship team that was, was just, you know, serving week in and week out. We had students coming and bringing friends. And it's just one of those seasons where you're like, is this, do I, do I really get to do this? This is so awesome. And just seeing students come to Christ and come to faith and like be a part of outreach events on campus and seeing all these things happen. I was like, oh, this is the greatest. I, this is, there's nothing more fulfilling than this. Baptizing students coming to our fall retreat where they would stand in front of a hundred and some other of their peers and they would say, I came here broken and lost and now I know I'm found in Jesus. And then they get baptized, right, to stand at Lake Geneva and baptize students. What an amazing honor. And we come into, I mean, just truly like an amazing season of ministry. 
And then we come into 2020, we're like, oh man, this is gonna be the roaring 20s. This is gonna be the greatest decade. This is gonna be the amazing start. 2020 is gonna be amazing. And we started the semester, and I remember standing on stage, and I said, hey, you know, there's this rumors and talk about all this stuff going on with this virus. I said, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, but this could be our last Chi Alpha meeting in person for a long time. And I, people were like, there's always like people that like, are out there kind of like laughing, and they're like, people are laughing, like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what do you mean? The next day, everything shut down. And we're like, whoa, this is, this is serious stuff. You know, keep hearing the reports of what's happening, keep seeing the numbers, right? You can get anxious watching the news too much. I found myself getting anxious watching the news and being like, what on earth is going to happen? And then graduation time came, and it's like, well, they canceled graduation. And I think of these dear students that we've been with us for four years since we started Chi Alpha. And I'm like, man, we have to do something for them. We have to celebrate them. So we did it safely. We did it COVID-friendly, um, where we basically drove all over the place and brought graduation to our students. It was really special. Got to meet their families. And um, then, I, then summer came, and our students were like, hey, we're already home. We're already live streaming. Could we continue to have services? Could, we conti could you continue to produce a service, and we'll tune in, and we'll jump on Zoom, or we'll watch on Facebook Live, or we'll watch on Instagram Live. We'll, we'll join you with that. So we did services all summer long. And then the fall came, and we're like, oh, man, we can't wait to launch. And the university said, you can't do any in-person things for the first two weeks. And if you look at the statistics, they say that, 58, 60% of students, some, some studies say 85%, so anywhere from 58 to 85% of kids who grew up in the church will walk away from their faith and God in the first two years of leaving home after they graduate from high school. The other part of the statistics that most people don't talk about is those first 15 days on campus are crucial. Students are trying to find their way. They're trying to find where do I belong? What, what's my, who are my people? Where's my group? And so we typically will blitz, like those first two weeks, we're doing like 14 events to reach out to students. And then we hear, oh, you can't do anything for two weeks. Oh, and, and when you come back, it's going to be virtual. And I don't know, raise your hand if you've ever had screen fatigue. Just a few of us? Well, there's a lot more on campus, I'll tell you that. They're doing classes online, they're doing all these things. And like, as my heart as a pastor, like, I want to reach out to these students. I want to engage them in, in growing in their faith. And there's been so many challenges this year. And there have been times where I will come home from a service, now that we're back in person, and I'll look at my wife and I'll be like, am I even making a difference some days? Like, just real talk. Is God even moving? Is God even working on campus? And then things happen like this. This is my last story of this intro. You're like, this is the longest introduction in the history of sermons because we were meeting online, students that were out of state who could not have been in person started to tune in. Because we were meeting online first, people that maybe wouldn't have come in person to a service, they logged on to Zoom. They checked it out. And then when we finally got to be in person, some of these students, we'd been, they, we'd been connecting with them for months. And it was like, it was so bizarre because it's like, I know you, but I've never met you. This is crazy, and they, we got to finally meet them. It's just such a sweet reunion. And then one of the students who had been watching online and engaging online just a couple weeks ago, we gave people an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus every week. And there she is, giving her heart and her faith, 
putting her faith in Christ. And I'm like, God, if it's for that one student, it's worth all of the effort, all of the hours, all of the produced services over the summer, all of the crazy pivots we've had to make for that one student. And then this last week, she brings her boyfriend to service. I'm like, come on, let's go, right? More people hearing the gospel, more people being introduced to Jesus. And so thank you, Watermark, for being a part of our Chi Alpha family. Thank you for being a part of 30 for Freedom, the movement to end sex trafficking. And as we jump into Move, um, I don't know if you've ever had like your favorite book or maybe if you're a comic lover, your favorite comic become a movie, right? You sit in the theater with your overpriced snacks, right? You bring like $100 to go to a movie and it's just for the snacks, right? And you're sitting there in the theater and you have your popcorn and you have your hopefully milk duds and different things and you're watching this unfold before your eyes and it's, you know, the, the director has their creative liberties they take with things. And you know, the thing that's interesting though is because you've read the book, because you've read the comic, there isn't a suspense like there would be if, you've, if you didn't know the end of the story. And you, you know, you watch it and a lot of people say like things like, well, it's just not as good as the book. And I understand that. But I think when we come to Palm Sunday, when we come to this text that we're going to look at today, when we come to these things, a lot of us, if we know what happens, I don't want to be the spoiler alert guy for what happens next Sunday, but something pretty awesome happens, right, with Jesus. And, and I just think about this idea that it's so easy for us in the Christian world to just gloss over the details of what, were, what was happening real time because we know the end of the story, Right? And I was talking to Pastor Jarvis about this today, this morning, and we were talking about things. I'm like, oh, I've got this message about this. But all week long, that message wasn't sitting well with me. I'm like, I don't know if that's what's God's heart for this morning. And so this is a different message. So this is a different message this morning. But I felt like this is what the Lord wanted to show us today. And it's not about me, it's about his word and it's about his promises. But I want to take you through something. So envision for a moment, pretend like you've never read the Bible, pretend you've never heard a sermon, pretend like you've never, you didn't know what was going to happen as it relates to Easter, right? And we're going to look today at the Holy Week through the eyes of the Apostle Peter, a follower of Jesus, a former professional fisherman. And here you have you know, this amazing grand entrance into Jerusalem. You have these people with their palm branches and they're taking off their jackets and they're putting them on the ground and Jesus is riding in. And I just, the only thing I could think of, and I don't want to sound sacrilegious, that's never my heart, but I think of like a Super Bowl parade, right? It's this crazy thing where everyone's coming together and like you're with Tom Brady or like maybe it's the, you know, you're an NBA fan. It's NBA Finals Parade and you're with LeBron, right? It's like, oh man, you get to roll with the big dog. And I just think about how the apostles, like Jesus is riding on this colt, on this donkey's colt, and here he is, here's Peter walking beside and he's seeing all these people and they're like, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? They're, 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 they're saying, come and save, Deliver us, right, from the Romans, right? It's this crazy thing that's happening. And Peter is following Jesus. It's this triumphant thing. It's this beautiful thing. And pretend like you don't know the end of the story. And then they're reclining for this meal. And this woman comes in with this expensive jar of perfume. And she breaks it open and the fragrance fills the house. And, and man, some of the disciples are just like, they're mumbling. They're like, are you, are you kidding me? That's pure nard. That is worth a year's wages. That could have been given to the poor. And they start heckling her. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, hey. 
she's doing this to prepare me for burial. And if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, burial? Like, it's one of those, like, moments everything's going fine in a movie, and there's a record scratch sound. Did you say burial? Right? It's like, oh, it's a little awkward. And then the next chapter, it's like they're at the the Last Supper. They're having this prepared meal. They're celebrating the Passover. And it's really hard for me as a 21st century Christ follower to understand the significance in the first century for a Jewish group of guys celebrating this Passover and what this means to them. And Jesus says these words as he's, you know, passing around the cup. And he says, this is the, this is, drink this. Remembrance of me. This is the new covenant. New covenant? New covenant. Like we read over that today, we're like, oh yeah, great. There was an old covenant, now there's a new covenant. He was saying massive, like game-changing words to his disciples. And if you're Peter, you're like, oh my word. The burial thing and this triumphant entrance and now the, the new covenant. And then Jesus drops this bomb on his disciples and he says, hey, one of you is gonna betray me. And they all like look around like they're like, oh, is it you? It's not me. It couldn't be me. And Peter's like, Lord, I would never betray you. In fact, I would go so far as to say that I would even give my life for you. And Jesus, Jesus has the advantage of knowing the end of the story, right? He says, ah, actually, Peter, you're going to deny knowing me three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, never. You ever have one of those people in your life, like the super all-in crazy friends? I'm like that in my friend group. And <laughs> I just think about Peter. He's like, oh, I would die for you. And then Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to wash your feet, right? He takes off his outer clothes. And he puts the towel around his waist. And he's got this basin of water, this powerful symbolic thing. A servant should be doing this in this time. Not the rabbi, not the highest person in the room. And he gets down and he's washing the dirty, dusty feet of his disciples. And he gets to Peter. And Peter's like, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Just like the eccentric friend that's a spaz. And Jesus is like, "Uh, actually, I have to do this. Hello, let's go. And Peter's like, never will you wash these feet. And Jesus is like, you don't understand what I'm doing, Peter, but you're ruining my sermon illustration. Stop it. He said, unless I do this, you have no part with me. And then Peter's like, then wash my hands and my head also, Lord. And Jesus is like, dude, come on, just let me wash you, right? Like, <laughs> this is the Brent Silky rendition. But Jesus washes his feet. And then I think about how powerful of a statement Jesus makes when he's doing all these things. This was not normal behavior for a rabbi. This is not normal behavior for a leader in that time when it was all about the might made right. He does the servant's job. And I think about how powerful, like, these final things were for the disciples. And then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's late. I don't know if you've ever been with a really powerful prayer warrior, a prayer giant, right? And they're like, hey, we're going to go pray for several hours. And you're like, awesome. Yes, let's do it. And you're like, oh, my word, how am I going to do this? Jesus goes, and he's praying so intensely that his sweat becomes like drops of blood. And, and then they, he comes back, and they're all taking a nap. He's like, yo, seriously? Because Jesus knows what's about to happen. He's like, you couldn't stay awake for one hour of prayer? So Jesus goes again, and he prays. And his prayer is basically like, Lord, if there's any other way, but not my will, yours be done. Comes back, his guys are sleeping again. He's like, seriously, guys? Peter, come on. Happens one more time, and then all of a sudden you can hear the clanking of swords 
you can hear the footsteps of these guards and they have torches and they're coming to arrest Jesus. Now Peter's awake. Now Peter's like, let's go. And Judas Iscariot comes up and gives, ah, teacher, and he kisses Jesus on the cheek. He betrayed him with a kiss. And Peter, the spaz friend, takes out his sword and he, sw- he sw- takes a swing. Like he's like, it's go time, it's, it's the war is here, you know, like come save Hosanna, here we go. And he takes a swing and he cuts off the ear of Malchus. And I think about this, he wasn't going for the ear, he was going for the head and he missed and he got his ear. And Jesus picks up the ear, heals the guy and he's like, get out of here with the sword, Peter. And I think about Peter, I think about not knowing the end of the story, not knowing what's going to happen next. And then all of a sudden Jesus is taken away and he's brought before this mob of people that have false accusations. And they they say all these crazy things. He gets flogged, brutally, brutally beaten. It was horrific, the torture that flogging would would inflict on a person. And you have Peter standing by the fire, trying to get warm. He's uncomfortable. He's a little cold. Jesus is, you know, being tried. And this little slave girl comes up to him and says, you're one of his. Nope, not me. Never met him. Then someone else is like, hey, you, you have the same accent. You are for sure one of his people. I'm pretty much sure I saw you take a swing at Malchus. Nope, swear to God, it wasn't me. Don't know him. Third time, Peter denies knowing Jesus. Again, 21st century Christian in America, I do not understand how significant it would have been for a first century Jew to not acknowledge even knowing his rabbi who had just washed his feet. Think about that. And at that exact moment, the third denial, the rooster begins to crow. And like, for me, it's like a crazy, scary movie because at that moment, Jesus looks right through the crowd and he sees Peter. Peter remembers the words that that was just spoken at dinner. It says he went out and wept bitterly. Again, imagine you don't know the end of the story. Imagine you're Peter. The last thing that you did was deny knowing your rabbi three times. And not only is Jesus flogged, but then he's forced to carry this heavy wooden cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And I know I asked Pastor Ben, I'm like, do you guys do Good Friday stuff? I didn't want to like be spoiler alert guy for Sunday and Friday. But they nail him to this cross. And crucifixion was terrible. I mean, you would die basically by like suffocation. All your body's weight on your chest cavity as you're bleeding out. They eventually would outlaw crucifixion in Rome. It was that bad. And here you have your rabbi, your teacher, the one you followed for three, three and a half years. And the last thing you know, if you're Peter, is that you just denied knowing him three times. Brutally beaten, crucified, buried. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place of darkness in your own life. I know there were lots of dark times last year for our family with health issues, my dad's a bunch of heart things going on. Didn't know if he was going to make it or not. Things with my mom and her health. All of, this, all of the things that were happening that impacted all of us. Those dark moments where you're like, God, are you? Hello, God, are you there? Are you still moving? Because I don't see it. Are you still, do you, is your plan still being enacted? Because I don't feel it, I don't sense it, I, I have no indication 
God, that you're still working, that you're still moving. And I think about us this morning and the impact, and even specifically, I know people are probably like, Brent, stop talking about COVID. I have lost loved ones to COVID from our church. People that I've looked up to my whole faith life, people that were spiritual giants in our church who didn't make it through COVID. It's those dark moments where you're just like, God, are you still there? Hello? Financial things. I had a friend whose business was burned to the ground in the riots. Burned to the ground. Hello, God, are you still there? And I think about all that we could have faced and maybe we did face last year. I'm thinking about the individual people I know from Watermark, family, people that I call family. And in these dark moments, we can just be like, God, are you, are you still moving? Because I don't see any evidence of it. Because I don't feel your presence right now, God. I'm in such a dark place, I don't even hardly see your light. And if you think about Peter and him not knowing the end of the story like we do, the despair he would have had on Friday night, the despair he would have had on, on Saturday, I mean, what would you do? You'd be terrified. If they, just, if they just did that to your rabbi, you can deny him in the courtyard, but they're going to come after you next. And the despair he would have felt. And you're like, man, I'm glad I came to church today, Brent. Thanks for your uplifting message, right? But here's the deal. I'm not going to go into Easter all of that much. But I have to spoil a little bit. Because Jesus, the grave couldn't hold him. The grave could not hold our God. And he rose from the grave. Then they went to look for him. And I love this. I think this is so powerful and poignant for today. The first people who came upon the risen Savior, it was not the apostles. It was not the disciples. It was not that group of 12. Well, then 11, and it would be 12 again later after they would draw straws. It was the, it was the ladies who, you know, in, in the count of the 5,000 who were fed by Jesus' miracle of the loaves and fish, the women weren't counted in that day. The testimony of a woman wouldn't be held up in court. I think it's so beautiful and powerful that the first testimony of the risen Savior came from a lady. Come on. And I think about Peter's running to the tomb. He sees that it's empty, right? He knows that God has done something. Even when he couldn't see it in the darkness when the rooster crowed, even when Jesus was being flogged and crucified and died and buried, in the darkness of that moment, Peter did not have the advantage of knowing how it would all play out. He did not know what would happen at the end of the story. But God was working. But God was moving. God was shifting things, doing things that he couldn't see, sense, or feel. And not only did Jesus, was he resurrected, but I think it's so crazy. You find Peter, after the resurrection, he's going to do what he used to do. Do you remember what Peter used to do? When Jesus came and called him to be a disciple, he was a fisherman. So he goes out, he's like, hey, I'm going to go fishing, guys. It's like the eccentric spaz friend. Hey, I'm going to go fishing. And they're all like, oh, we'll go, we'll go with you, spaz friend. And they go out fishing. And then they see, he sees Jesus on the shore. He can't help himself. Homeboy just jumps in, swims to shore. Jesus is like, hey, bring some of that fish you caught. We'll make you breakfast. And then Jesus takes him aside. And in John 21, verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. 
And if I, if I can be honest with you, when I read that, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, well, you denied me. I don't know if you remember that, Peter, the rooster thing, you remember that? Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Does anyone have kids that ask him questions on over and over and over and over, right? There's a, I don't know if you guys know this, Netflix has a thing called Coco Melon. And there's a family that sings, some of the parents, you know what I'm talking about. And there's one song on there. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Bree. They, uh, they, they sing this song, Are We There Yet? Not yet. And it's this annoying song on repeat. Are we there yet? Not yet. So whenever we drive somewhere, one of my kids invariably will say, Hey, Dad, are we there yet? They start singing that song. And I'm like, Not yet. Right? It's this repeated thing. But like, what is Jesus doing? Why is he asking three separate times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you, Lord. And feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. He denied Jesus three times. Denial, denial, denial. And Jesus says, I'm going to reinstate you, reinstate you, reinstate you. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't see it in the darkness of the, the, the crucifixion, God is working. I don't know what the darkness that you might have encountered or maybe this morning you walked into church. I don't know if you've ever done this. I know I'll just be honest with you. As a pastor, I've done this before. Hey, how you doing, Brent? How you doing, Pastor Brent? Oh, man, it's great. It's a great Sunday, isn't it? Isn't it great weather out? And inside, you're just hurting. Inside, you might be facing brokenness. You might be like, oh, man, this has been the worst week. Just walk families through the hardest of times. But sometimes we can come to a place where we think maybe the expectation is that we're like, oh, happy face. I don't know what darkness you might have walked through this last year. I know for sure that most of us have walked through something. And maybe we don't sense God moving. We don't see him moving. We don't feel him moving. It might be so dark, you're like, I can't even see the light anymore. But if we look at the apostle Peter and all of the darkness and all of the stuff that he walked through, and then we see the hope of Easter, the hope of Jesus rising from the dead. And not only that, but it was his bad three times, and Jesus made it good three times. He restores. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who heals. We serve a God who restores. We serve a God who would send a team from Cold Spring, Minnesota to find a 15-year-old girl who's being trafficked out of a hotel room in Las Vegas. We serve a God who would use Zoom technology on a Wednesday night for months to help reach students to know Jesus Christ. We, we serve a God who would empower a church to do the most innovative and creative outreach things to bless the Stillwater area that I've ever heard of any church in America doing ever before. That's the God we serve. So if you're in darkness this morning, let me remind you of who God is. He's the one that overcame sin, sickness, death. He overcame hell. He overcame the grave. He is the one who can restore broken relationships. He is the one that can do the unthinkable things that we don't think are possible. That's the God that we serve. And I think, Watermark, about the, the uniqueness of this community, when I have the opportunity to share God's word at a church, I always want to use social media as a platform to say, hey, if you're in the area, I'd love to introduce you. To community. But I think about this church, like I legitimately am like, I wish I could like drive buses all over the city of Stillwater and just pick people up and bring them here because this community is life-changing. This community is life-giving because this community knows Jesus and wants to make him known. And I think about Easter. Pastor Jarvis shared those, these crazy stats. On a given Sunday, if you invite someone to church, it's like 30 or 13% 
of people will say yes. You know what I mean? So it's kind of disheartening. You're like, ah, oh, it's a lot of no's to get a yes. But then at Easter, was it like 68% or something? It was something crazy. And I'm just thinking about, wow, what an opportunity. Because like, just think for a moment. How many of you know someone in your life right now who's walking through a period of darkness? Right? All of us. What if we could introduce our friends or family or coworkers or classmates or teammates to the risen Savior, Jesus Christ? What if we could invite them into a place where they can connect with the living body of Christ through the church? And there's never more of an open time for people to respond and say yes to an invitation than this week, inviting them. And I think the strongest invitation isn't, hey, I'll meet you there. It's, hey, can I pick you up? Hey, can I, can I show you where it is? We'd love to introduce you to some people. So this morning, what I want to do in closing, if you just for a moment, wherever you are, if you would just bow your heads with me in just a time of contemplation and reflection. Watermark and the worship team, you guys can come. Watermark Church, you are family to us, to the Silky family, to St. Paul Chi Alpha, to 30 for Freedom. And I know that there's been some really hard stuff, some really dark nights that we've walked through as a community and that we've walked through as families, that maybe we've walked through in marriages or with our kids or our grandkids or at work, or maybe it's financial. It's been just a struggle for some. And if you're here this morning and you would just be able to be transparent and real enough to say, hey, this has been a really hard season for us. If you just raise your hand right now, if that's you. Yeah, right on. Come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, Father, I just pray for those of us with our hands in the air, with the, those of us that maybe we know our hands should be in the air, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of the risen Savior, the one who came to bring life and life abundantly. God, I pray for my family here at Watermark, Lord, that you would help us in the midst of the dark nights, in the midst of the dark moments, God, in the midst of the moments where we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know the end of the story, that we would be reminded that, yes, we do know the end of the story because Jesus you wrote the end of the story. It's victory in Christ. And so I pray for those today who are going through suffering, God, right now, financially, physically, spiritually, maritally, God, with relationally, in any way that they're suffering. I pray that this morning, God, they would be uplifted and reminded, Lord, that they are yours. They are a beloved son. They are a beloved daughter of the king. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you would bring healing even now that you would be moving and working even when we don't see it, but God, we would trust in your promises. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus. The most important thing we could ever do is to make that decision to follow Jesus, to surrender everything. So if you're here this morning and you would just say, hey Brent, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been running. Maybe this is your day where you put your faith back in Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Praise God. Lord, as a family, as your body, as your community, we just 
We, we stand with those, God, who are saying, hey, I need to give my life back to Jesus. Or maybe for the first time, surrender everything. We thank you, Lord, that you are not a God who's dead, but you are a God who is very much alive. And so, Lord, we just come to you and we just celebrate, Lord, as we know all of heaven rejoices when one person who is far from God puts their faith in you. All of heaven rejoices, God. And so as Watermark Church, as a family, Lord, I pray that we would celebrate, that we would be so excited about new life in Christ. And, Lord, I pray that we would help to nurture and grow with them in Jesus' name. And the last thing I would just want to challenge us with, Watermark, is to take a moment in thinking of family members, thinking of friends, thinking of maybe your favorite barista or your favorite coffee joint. Maybe it's somebody you work out with. Maybe it's a teammate. Maybe it's a coach. And we're just going to take a moment and pray that God would open their hearts to see and understand the good news of the gospel. And I'm going to pray that God would use you as a mouthpiece and as his hands and feet in their life. So, Heavenly Father, we lift up all of those we know who are so in need of your love. They're so in need of the hope that we have in you. I pray you would anoint us by the spirit of the living God, that we would be able to be a mouthpiece of love and truth and encouragement and grace. That, God, you would, you would give us just wisdom from heaven to know how we could be a practical, tangible blessing to those around us, God. That we could be the extension of your hands and the extension of your feet, Lord to our bosses, our coworkers, our teammates, our classmates, our coaches, people we know in the community. God, that you would empower us as your word says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, Lord. And I pray that we would be faithful in that and that we would extend the invitation to come with me to Easter Sunday service, to come with me to this men's small group, to come with me to the women's small group, to the youth ladies night, whatever it might be, God, I pray that you would give us opportunity to extend an invitation. And Lord, we just thank you that you are the resurrected king. You are the Lord of lords. You are the king of kings. You are the resurrected one. And you have called us, Lord, to share that good news. So I pray for my Watermark family, Lord. I pray that you would allow us to be carriers and messengers of this good news. And God, as we have the opportunity now to worship you in reflection and response, I pray that you would be glorified and you would inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you, Lord, that the end of the story is victory in you. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you that you are moving even when we don't see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Wherever you are, if you're able, we'd love to invite you to stand as we have our final song of worship. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today here at Watermark Church. If you have any questions or want to learn more, you can visit us at www.stillwatermark.com. Thank you.